We are privileged and honoured to introduce to you this morning our lovely Pete Sims, one half of our senior leadership team, our senior pastors who we are so grateful for, who we just want to honour and just thank God for. We receive them as a gift and we receive Pete as a gift this morning, the father-hearted man of God that he is, always championing others. Pete, we appreciate your kindness and your love and the fun that you bring on the journey. So why don't we just take a moment to just sit back and listen to all that Pete is going to share with us this morning. Good morning everyone, how are you doing? I hope you're well. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you for a few moments this morning. I've got a message today that's really a game of two halves or at least a game of two parts. All will become clear as we go along. Today is Palm Sunday and that marks the beginning of Holy Week or Passion Week. But what on earth does that mean? If you're new to church, if this is the first time you've heard of those expressions, what do they mean? Well, Palm Sunday is the Sunday one week before Easter Sunday. That's the same every year. So wherever Easter Sunday is, the Sunday before is Palm Sunday. And it's really important because it marks the time when Jesus entered into Jerusalem on a donkey. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? Why would he enter in on a donkey? Well, you'll find out that in just a moment too. It is the start of the week, as I said, called Holy Week or Passion Week. And that is the week that leads up to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so much happens in that single week. We're going to explore some of it today. Let me read it to you from John chapter 12 from the NIV. It's headed, Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. OK, I think that takes some explaining, don't you? So first of all, Jesus is coming. There's a big festival going on. There's lots of people in Jerusalem already and Jesus is on his way and people are really excited. And it says that they took palm branches and went out to meet him. Now, in some of the translations of this story, it says that they laid these palm branches on the floor, along with the outer garments that they were wearing. They made this beautiful sort of pathway for the donkey to walk on. They also waved their hands and waved these branches to welcome Jesus into Jerusalem. They shouted Hosanna, which means save us or he saves. It was also a term of praise. So they're really celebrating and they're shouting this word Hosanna. They also shout blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's something from the book of Psalms, um, a book that these guys would have known filled with songs and filled with poems about the Messiah, the one they had been waiting for all their lives. They also shouted, blessed is the king of Israel. That, I think, is pretty self-explanatory. They saw him as their king, even though they were an occupied people. Jesus was their king. And it said Jesus found this young donkey and sat on it. And then it says, as it's written. You see, a few hundred years before, a prophet, a guy who could see into the future, had said this. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Whose daughter Zion? I've never heard of her. 
daughter Zion is Jerusalem. So don't be afraid, Jerusalem. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. So this was a big moment in their history. Their king was coming into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. There was so much celebration. And as I said, he wasn't just their Messiah, their long-awaited, anointed one promised of God, but he was their king. As they threw down their garments, as they threw down their branches onto the floor, they were doing something that had been done before. Historically, the word used in the Bible for what they were doing actually points towards a picture of how people used to celebrate their gods. That's interesting, isn't it? But also it was a, a way to celebrate a conquering hero, to give the returning general maximum honour. There's so much tied up in this story, isn't there? And so this year, as Easter approaches, there are some questions for us now in 2021. Will we welcome Jesus into our lives with celebration? Will we welcome him to be the fulfilment of our hopes and dreams as our Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, the one who can turn our lives upside down, the one who can bring beauty for brokenness and joy for pain. Will we acknowledge him as our king? Our king, the one in command of our lives. I think that the word king has lost quite a lot of its impetus because of living in England in 2021 and what that means for us. We have a queen, but if Charles were currently the king sitting on the throne, that doesn't give him much authority into my life and my daily choices. But to see Jesus as our king means that we give him authority over our decisions, over our thoughts, over our, our very lives, everything that we do on a daily basis. Will we receive Jesus as our Messiah, our Saviour and as our Lord and as our King? Will we this year wave our hands excitedly at him? Will we take the clothes from our own back. Would we do that to honour him? Let's do that this Palm Sunday. Let's celebrate that our King is here with us, the one we have been longing for. And we may be in an occupied territory at the moment, locked down, but he is still King and Lord. He is victorious and we will celebrate him today. As I've been looking into this story and thinking about that name, Palm Sunday, I've also thought of a different type of palm. These ones, the palms of our hands. I looked at the hands of this crowd who were worshipping Jesus. These hands that would have been clapping, yes! These hands that may have been doing this. I don't know whether this was done 2000 years ago, but nowadays there is a great use of our hands to celebrate waving, cutting down branches using their hands. They use their hands to lay clothes at his donkey's feet. And it got me thinking that how in just a few days time, hands and perhaps some of the same hands would be waving and clapping again. But this time, as Jesus was led away to be flogged and crucified, they would be cheering and shouting for Barabbas to be released, this known criminal, so that Jesus would take his place and become the crucified criminal. So this Holy Week, this Passion Week, I want us to look 
at things slightly differently, not just at the waving of palm trees, but look at the hands in the story of Holy Week. So that's what we're going to do for a while now. We're going to, as I said, it was about two halves. We've already done the first bit about Palm Sunday as we know it. But now I want us to look at these palms and we're going to have three different comparisons. We're going to compare Jesus' hands with Pilate's hands. We're going to look at Jesus' hands compared with Peter's hands and Jesus' hands compared with the Roman soldier's hands. So the first comparison then is Jesus versus Pilate. Pilate was the governor of Judea at the time of Jesus's arrest and crucifixion. He was the guy that the crowds went to baying for Jesus' blood, saying he's not He's not our king. We don't want him. We don't recognise him. And the religious leaders stirred up this riot almost to get Jesus crucified. It was Pilate who stood before the people saying, what's he done? He hasn't even done anything wrong. But still they shouted for Jesus' death. It was tradition for him to release a criminal during this festival. And so he said, who shall I release to you? Jesus of Nazareth, who hasn't done anything wrong, or Barabbas, this notorious criminal. And the crowd shouted, release Barabbas. Barabbas was released and ultimately Jesus was sent off for his flogging and execution. And there's a moment in the story where one of the gospel writers says that Pilate took a bowl of water and he washed his hands of the responsibility and of the guilt surrounding Jesus' death. Pilate washed his hands of responsibility. And I want us to contrast that with Jesus a couple of days earlier, when he had been sitting at the Last Supper, that well-known meal with his disciples, when he'd broken bread and he'd drunk wine with them, when the guys were all sitting there wondering what would happen next. The Bible says that Jesus took off his outer garment. He knelt down with a bowl of water and started to wash his disciples' feet. An act of service. A beautiful act of putting their needs first and looking out for them even in his hour of need. Jesus washed feet whilst Pilate washed his hands of responsibility and it got me thinking that it's a challenge for us a life of following Jesus is a life of love and of loving others it's a life of serving other people's needs even when sometimes we just want our own needs met serving Jesus is a life of washing the feet of those around us and not just locally but around the world too we are called to get involved. We shouldn't wash our hands of responsibility. And when you look at all of the need in the world, it's really easy to just wash our hands and say, I can't. It's not my responsibility, not my fault. I didn't, I didn't make this happen. I'm not taking responsibility for it. But what we need to learn to do as followers of Jesus is to take responsibility. 
to do what we can when we can to serve others, wash their feet. It, it, loving them and serving them will be costly. The challenge this Palm Sunday is will we reevaluate and be prepared to pay the price this Easter of serving others rather than washing our hands of it? So we've compared Jesus' hands with Pilate's. And now I'd like us to compare Jesus' hands on this Palm Sunday with Peter's. We've just heard the story, haven't we, of the Last Supper. And that was the meal that Jesus had with his disciples. And straight after that meal, they all went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus invited his three closest disciples, Peter, James and John, to come on a little bit further with him than the other disciples. And he said to them, guys, will you stay with me? Can you keep watch with me? I'm going on to pray. He went on to pray a prayer that was agonizing to him, desperately pleading, Father, if there is any other way, would you take this cup of suffering away from me? I don't want to drink it. Is there another way? But he got to the point of saying, but yet not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done, Father. He was agonising so much in those prayers that the Bible says he was sweating drops of blood. It sounds crazy, but you may well have heard that that actually is a physiological response for people under extreme, extreme pressure. That sweat glands can begin to bleed as blood vessels break because of the pressure. Jesus was in agony and when he came back to his disciples they weren't even awake. They'd fallen asleep and they would do it again. Just then, armed thugs, soldiers, religious leaders came to arrest him. They could have done it during the day any time he wasn't hidden away but they knew that the people may side with Jesus and it may cause a lot of trouble, may cause some riots. And so they did it in this place and they knew Jesus would be there because of Judas who had betrayed Jesus. So Jesus is agonising about his own future. He's already just experienced betrayal. We know what betrayal feels like, don't we? It hurts when people turn against us. People who love us, people who we've loved. When they turn away, when they turn their backs, when they deny us and betray us, it really is painful. Jesus was experiencing this too as these, these armed people came to arrest him. Judas gave him the betrayer's kiss to identify who Jesus was to the armed guard there. As the violent men came towards Jesus, Peter reacted how? In a violent manner. He grabbed his sword and he took off the ear of this chap called Malchus, one of the servants there. He took Malchus's ear clean off. When the pressure came on Peter, when violence approached him, he responded in kind. An eye for an eye. You attack us, I'm attacking you. Isn't that how most of us would have been? How did Jesus respond? I think this is beautiful. The Bible says that Jesus reached out and healed Malchus. He healed his ear. 
I think that is, I think that's incredible actually. Let me tell you why. I don't know about you, although I can be pretty certain for most of us it's like this because it is for me. I would not want a CCTV camera in my house pointing at me for you to watch my worst moments. Fair play? I think we can all agree that would not be good. We would not want people to see how we respond when we are really squeezed and really under pressure. Because when I'm squeezed and I'm under pressure, what comes out of me, I'm not always proud of. Jesus was squeezed. He was squeezed beyond any squeezing I know and will ever know. He was under huge pressure. He was bleeding as he, from his sweat glands. And yet what came out of him when he was under that pressure? What always came out of him? He was the same. Under pressure, not under pressure. He loved people. He cared for people. He had compassion for people. And he reached out to restore. That's who he was. That's what he did in every circumstance and every situation. Even in this moment, his true nature of love and compassion shines through. Peter's, like me, his reaction, responding kind, violence with violence, he cut off Jesus' response, turning the other cheek, coming in the opposite spirit, reaching out to restore. It takes a certain type of person to reach out to those who persecute us. To reach out in love to those who threaten us. To our enemies. And that's what Jesus did in this moment. No revenge. Just love. Jesus' hands compared to Peter's hands in the garden. The final sets of hands I'd like to compare and contrast are... Jesus is with the Roman soldiers. You know, I'm always repulsed, disgusted and astounded at man's inhumanity against man. How people can do some of the things that they do. When I think about the Roman soldiers in this story. Who beat Jesus with their fists, who hit him around the head with sticks, who pushed a crown of thorns on his head, who mocked him and spat at him. These hands that held the whips and the scourging tools as Jesus was flogged. The executioner who would hold a hammer in his hand and a nail in the other hand. Let's compare those hands with Jesus' hands. Jesus' hands that had healed the sick. Jesus' hands that had touched the leper. Jesus' hands that had blessed and held the little children. Jesus' hands that had broken bread and washed feet. These hands now carried the cross. And once he was in place, Jesus opened his hands. These hands that had put the stars in the sky. 
he opened his hands and he surrendered to the nails in order to bring life. The Roman soldier who was nailing Jesus there had clenched fists. He had closed fists around the hammer, around the nail, around the whip. When he was being punched, closed fists everywhere. But Jesus' hands were open and surrendered. Bringing us life. Let's remember that this Palm Sunday. What an incredible saviour. How beautiful is our Jesus. And the challenge to us today is that we always have a choice to live either surrendered to his will or to our own. We have a choice to, to live open-handed or closed. This Palm Sunday, let's celebrate our incredible Jesus, our Lord and King. Let's, let's pay him the tribute that he's due. Let's do the equivalent of waving palm trees and taking off our garments and putting them before him and celebrating who he is with, with rejoicing, shouting Hosanna or whatever equivalent you want to shout nowadays. He is our Lord and he is our King. But let's also this Palm Sunday learn from his hands. Let's learn from his hands that wash feet and let's get involved. Rather than washing our hands of responsibility. Let's take responsibility for the welfare of others. Let's learn from the garden to reach out to others and bring healing where there is pain. Not just to the easy people, to everyone, even our enemies. This is difficult. And let's remember the amazing sacrifice on the cross that brought us life. And it's for the healing of the nations. And let's learn to live a life that isn't tight-fisted, but is open-handed and surrendered to God. Jesus, we love you. And we celebrate you today. Your amazing, triumphant, awesome entry into Jerusalem. We celebrate you as the King and Saviour of our lives. Lord, we recognise you as our conquering hero. And we rejoice with people all over the world who are celebrating you today. And today, as we take a moment to look at our hands, our palms, may we on this Palm Sunday remember your example of washing feet, of reaching out to heal and restore and of open-handed surrender that brought us life. And may we follow your example and give our lives for others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Guys, have a fantastic week. I really hope that you have a brilliant journey towards Easter and that Good Friday and Easter Sunday give you so much peace and joy and hope rising in your heart. Take care of yourselves and I'll see you soon. Bye.